Welcome into another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. The White House on Monday made it clear that a railroad shutdown is unacceptable to President Joe Biden as agricultural groups and other business leaders lobby to continue to clamor for Congress to step in. When asked about the four major union votes against the deal negotiated by Labor Secretary Marty Walsh in September, White House spokeswoman Corrine Jean-Pierre reiterated the president's stance, saying, quote, as the president has said from the beginning, a shutdown is unacceptable because of the harm it would inflict on jobs, families, farms, businesses, and communities across the country, end quote. Jean-Pierre noted a majority of the unions voted to ratify the labor agreement, though the four unions representing the bulk of workers voted to reject it. Jean-Pierre said the best option is still for the unions and railroads to resolve differences through negotiations, saying, quote, and that's what we're going to continue to call for. We think that they should move forward in good faith and get this resolved, end quote. The National Graded Feed Association on Monday called on its members to contact their senators and representatives in Congress to act as they said that congressional action will be necessary if they fail to reach an agreement before the cooling off period ends, which is currently scheduled for December 5th for one union and December 9th for the three other unions that voted not to ratify. NGFA pointed to the challenges already facing other modes of grain movement, including the low water levels on the Mississippi River. As NGFA said, quote, any additional disruption of rail service would immediately impact the nation's food and agriculture and broader supply chains. The risk in both domestic and international markets is real. Congress must take bipartisan action to prevent a strike from occurring, end quote. Mike Steenhook, executive director of the Soy Transportation Coalition, also pointed to the river issues. According to USDA, railroads transport 29% of soy means 33% of corn and 60% of wheat to export terminals, according to Steenhook. He added, quote, in an update, given the well-documented low water conditions along the inland waterway system, having this big question mark regarding rail service could not come at a worse time. Rail service already has not been the lifeline it normally should be, but the potential for a strike or lockout is clearly causing much agitation in agriculture and the broader economy, end quote. People shopping for electric vehicles will see that most don't have AM radio, and it's a move not sitting well with rural farm broadcasters. Nathan Simmington is a commissioner of the Federal Communications Commission who spoke to broadcasters at the National Association of Farm Broadcasting annual convention last week. He brought a unique perspective to the topic after growing up on a farm in Canada, saying, quote, AM radio is an indispensable source of information for more than 3 million farmers in the U.S. To those who say AM is a dead technology, 75% of farmers listen to the radio five days per week, end quote. Quote, for those who don't know, AM radio is also the essential spine of the emergency alert system. Brazil's National Energy Policy Council decided the mandatory blend of biodiesel in diesel will be kept at 10% until March 31st of next year, according to the Mines and Energy Ministry in a statement on Monday. From April on, the mix requirement will be increased to 15%, the ministry said, also pointing out that Brazil's next government, which takes office in January, could change the decision. CNPE also decided that biodiesel produced by any technological route of production may be part of the mixture, which could include Petrobras, R5 diesel, a fuel co-processed with vegetable oil in a 95% to 5% ratio. Brazil's oil, gas, and biofuel regulator would first have to approve the biodiesel used in the blend. Most of the country's biodiesel is produced from soy oil, which is obtained after grain crushers process the beans. 
Now, speaking of diesel fuel, no fuel is more essential to the global economy than diesel. It powers trucks, buses, ships, and trains. It drives machinery for construction, manufacturing, and farming. It's burned for heating homes, and with the high price of natural gas, in some places, it's also being used to generate power. Within the next few months, almost every region on the planet will face the danger of a diesel shortage at a time when supply crunches in nearly all the world's energy markets have worsened inflation and stifled growth. This, according to a Bloomberg article, the toll could be enormous feeding through into everything from the price of a Thanksgiving turkey to consumer bills for heating homes this winter. In the U.S. alone, the surging diesel cost will mean a $100 billion hit to the economy. That's according to Mark Finley, an energy fellow at Rice University's Baker Institute of Public Policy. Finley says, quote, anything and everything that gets moved in our economy, diesel is there. Moving stuff around is one thing. People potentially freezing to death is another, end quote. Now, in the U.S., stockpiles of diesel and heating oil are at their lowest point ever for this time of year in data going back four decades. Northwestern Europe is also facing a low buffer. Inventories are forecast to hit a low this month and then tumble even more by March, shortly after sanctions come into play that will cut the region off from Russian seaborne supplies. As part of an effort to attract more meat suppliers to the Mexican market, the government of Mexico was allowing limited access for Brazilian pork. U.S. Meat Export Federation Vice President of Economic Analysis Aaron Borer shares more details. We've been waiting and anticipating when Mexico might allow pork from Brazil. They've allowed Brazilian poultry for a few years now. And this past week announced that they've approved a handful of Brazilian pork plants. I think there's eight establishments and pork specifically from the state of Santa Cantarina. That is Brazil's state that's free of foot and mouth disease and also does not vaccinate for FMD. So it must be born, raised, slaughtered in the state and from the specific approved plants. The other major requirement is that pork must go into further processing in Mexico on arrival. Borer does not expect a big shakeup in the market, but says Brazil will have some opportunity to capture market share in the frozen pork category. For the U.S., we obviously have tremendous advantages given our proximity and long history in the market, specifically our ability to ship fresh, chilled, bone-in hams and shoulders into Mexico and largely into the Mexican processing industry. We hold about 86% share of the chilled product going to Mexico, and Canada is the remainder. I don't think Brazil will challenge us in that chilled category. Where it might get interesting is on the frozen side. We do export some frozen pork to Mexico. U.S. pork accounted for 60% of frozen going to Mexico. When Mexico eliminated the import duties back in May, Europe did gain some momentum, mostly Spanish bellies. Brazil, like Europe right now, benefits from the temporary zero tariff rate. And so we can imagine some opportunities for Brazil to do some business in that frozen category. You can learn more online by going to usmef.org. And lastly, here on American Ag Today, the Beef Checkoff-funded Trailblazers program is asking for applications for its next class of beef advocates. Trailblazers, developed by the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, takes advocacy to the next level by giving participants the tools and training they need to promote beef to new audiences while correcting misconceptions. According to Chandler Mulvaney, Director of Grassroots Advocacy and Spokesperson Development for NCBA, he says, quote, Trailblazers develops the next generation of beef advocates through a highly engaging and interactive program, end quote. 
The program is looking for new spokespeople to participate in a year-long hands-on program to train, equip, and empower beef advocates. Selected candidates learn to become expert communicators, excel in media interviews, and understand how to build confidence in beef-related practices when talking to consumers. Applications are due by December 30th, and selected participants will get notified in mid-January. Applicants must be 21 and provide two references with their application. For information, go to ncba.org. And that is all the time we have for this episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you and yours a great rest of your day.